The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, good evening and welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria on Monday evening for the Monday evening guided meditation here at Buddha Loka Center. And of course, I'll just introduce myself too. I'm Ajahn Nasarano for those who haven't seen me before and for those online too, because they may wonder who this is. And who is Ajahn Nasarano? That's what I ask quite often. <laughs> Um, I'm an Australian monk who ordained with Ajahn Brahm about uh, 20, full ordination 25 years ago, uh, my novice ordination 26 years ago, and for 13 and a half of my years as a fully ordained uh, Buddhist monk, a bhikkhu, I have lived in Sri Lanka, and for eight of those years living in the forest in a cave on my own going for the arms round in the morning for food and uh, just living in the forest on my own. So it was very nice, very nice indeed. And now I have come back to Australia and I'm based at Newbury Buddhist Monastery where I'm the senior monk at the monastery. So this evening we will have, as, as usual, follow the general format we have, which is about uh, an introduction, sometimes 15 minutes or more, and then a guided meditation for about uh, 45 minutes or around that time. And then uh, there's time for questions, answers, comments, all that sort of thing at the towards the end. So that's the format for the evening. And this evening I thought to focus on uh, a guided meditation. I should do it more often actually, regularly, is the famous metta meditation. Have most people heard of metta? Heard of metta? You can call it, uh, um, I don't know if a person's having difficulty with the incense, I'm not sure. <laughs> Is it? Do you think so? Could be. I don't know. Not sure. It's sometimes called maitri in Sanskrit. And um, of course in English, what do we call it? It's often called loving kindness. So it's a very, very important meditation for the practice. And it was a very important meditation for myself because uh, one of my teachers, Ayakima, she really encouraged a metta meditation, either as a whole session or just as an introduction, just at the beginning of another, any meditation to deal with the, bring this sort of kindness uh, friendliness to the mind, so that the negative, um, the negative states of mind, whatever they be, reduce. And I found that it supported my meditation, helped my meditation go much, much deeper than before. So it was really worked for me, and I think it will work for most people. One of the things we we often don't appreciate is that the negativity in our minds, we get so used to it, we don't notice it. <laughs> but when we do something like a metta meditation, this kindness or friendliness meditation, it will reduce those quality, negative qualities and then allow the mind to go deeper and allow for wisdom to come up. Because the only thing that blocks us in meditation, the Buddha says, 
is the hindrances to meditation, five hindrances to meditation. And these are all negative qualities which are very much addressed by um, developing metta or maitri. And of course, you know, when we think of um, uh, metta meditation or maitri meditation, we can think, well, what are the deepest uh, wishes people have? And of course, it's for the number one is for happiness, isn't it? <laughs> number one is for happiness. But that happiness comes from a lot of other things like being loved, being appreciated, having friendship, being accepted. Um, and of course, this goes not only from other people, the main person we need, need to get kindness, friendliness from, acceptance from, is ourselves. <laughs> this is a big one. And of course, it... Lord Buddha mentions and it gives rise to a sense of safety and security, this, um, this feeling of metta. And so it's a very important meditation, a great meditation that can bring sort of a peace and deepen the meditation. And of course, the, as you've gathered, one of the most important things with, uh, I, I feel with metta meditation is first to deal with ourselves. <laughs> We have to be on good terms with ourselves. And this is uh, crucial in our lives because we have to be able to live with ourselves. We have to be able to accept ourselves, be kind to ourselves, and particularly in difficult situations. And uh, I, I think this can't be overemphasized um, because we, we often have a lot of negativity towards ourselves. And I was this evening I was thinking, oh, that amazing experiment in 2014 in America, of course, <laughs> with a group of students were asked to sit in a room just for 10 or 15 minutes, not do anything. They didn't have their devices with them, a telephone or any books to read or anything. They just had to sit there quietly and um, just be with themselves for 10 or 15 minutes, however there was a, a button on the wall. And if you press that button, it would give you an electric shock. And, and the uh, researchers asked the students that uh, they had enlisted for this experiment, was this electric shock really unpleasant? Yes, it was, they said, each and every one of them, I think. And they would pay not to have an electric shock. And so they did this experiment, and lo and behold, I'm just seeing the percentages, actually, Yes. What do you think happened? Seventy <laughs> percent of the men pressed the button. <laughs> they, they shocked themselves. Twenty-five percent of them, the women, shocked themselves too. So this is just shows how uncomfortable we are with ourselves. How difficult it is for us to sit quietly with ourselves, with our thoughts. It's actually often the thoughts, isn't it, that really, that really give us the grief, you know, what we think about ourselves, what we think about others. That's actually what's stirring up the mind, stirring up these negative emotions. And when you look at that figure, 70% shock themselves and 25% uh, of 70% of men shocked themselves and 25% of women shocked themselves, I was struck by one thing, and that was the suicide rates in Australia are pretty much the same. 75% of men, 75% uh, uh, of about 3,000, how many is it? 
3,144 in 2021. Three quarters of them, 75% of them were men <laughs> and 25% of them were women. So it shows that this, this quality of being are not on good terms with ourselves. Not being able to be with ourselves is, very, is something that's part of most people's experience. So this meta vital to be on good terms with ourselves and when we are on good terms with ourselves then we can extend <laughs> this feeling of friendliness kindness acceptance to others as well so this is the important thing with uh, meta and of course it's it's great for reconditioning the mind we have many <laughs> negative habits in the mind we have um, that we could well do without. And when we focus on metta, when we develop it, let's say to repeat it again and again, this can become part, like a habit, like part of our personality and character. This runs very contrary to what most people think about uh, an emotion like friendliness, kindness. Often in the West particularly, we think you either got it or you haven't, that's it. <laughs> and the idea of developing it, um, of you know, doing it deliberately, working on it to bring it up, is often thought of as being pretending or you know, fooling ourselves. And of course it isn't. Because the, the main reason why we can have this view that you have to have it is we have a very solid idea of, a, of self and that we are like this, whatever this is. We're angry, we're, we are, you know, uh, greedy, we are, you know, all these emotions, often negative emotions. But in reality, what is the mind? The mind is a process, and it's influenceable. If it were not, could we change? And we have some famous examples in the, the Buddhist history, actually, the story of one person, Angulimala, he was a serial killer. And the amazing thing is, he became fully enlightened. He became an arahant, we call it, which is amazing. And were, were not, if we had this permanent sense of self that was unchanging, it would be impossible. So it is possible to influence these states of mind that we experience to reduce the negative ones and build up the uh, positive ones. And of course, metta or maitri is really aimed at anger. The, the Lord Buddha, he talks about how it addresses anger. And of course, I often say to pe people, if we're angry, so we're in a situation where anger arises, maybe it's someone said something or done something, and we're really feeling upset, we're really feeling angry. And I always ask, who needs who needs the meta? Who needs the friendliness, the kindness? And of course, it's us. <laughs> if we're the ones churned up, we need it. It's not the the other person may not be feeling like that at all. In fact, they may feel quite happy that they've they've really um, upset us, or you know, they've got a reaction. Often, that's the case. But very traditionally, people often start to spread meta to the other person. They're really angry, but they're spreading it to the other person. And this is like we've got a wound on our foot and we start to put the medicine on the head. It's the wrong place. <laughs> 
we've got to give it to the source of that experience of anger, which is in us at that time. So this is a very important uh, thing to develop, metta, in our minds, to be really kind, to be on good terms with ourselves, and to deal not only with anger, because fear is, a, is, is also very much addressed by this feeling of being a friend to ourselves, being there for ourselves in difficult times, because often in difficult times we really criticize ourselves and, you know, oh, you've done it again, you know, you, you, you know, they shouldn't be like this and, you know, it's so, you know, all that sort of negative talk. So it's very important for that. And also one of the things that it is great for is loneliness because today, you know, it, I think it's so, so unsurprising that people in the West feel lonely because what do we want? We want our own space. <laughs> when we get it, <laughs> we feel lonely. <laughs> That's not a surprise, really, is it? <laughs> but it's very, very common. And of course, when we have this friendliness in our minds and hearts, even if somebody is far away and we have them, these kind thoughts, these friendly thoughts of metta towards them, it's like we're close to them. But conversely, we can be very physically close to people and not have any friendliness and kindness for them. And that's like they're miles away. And I know for myself, you know, living in that cave for eight years, I never, I very rarely, I can't say never, uh, felt lonely. And that's because I was using a lot of metta for myself and for others, you know. Because as especially in the forest too, it deals with fear or anything, being on your own, all those things, fear of animals, fear of snakes. We have a lovely chant in the Buddha, <laughs> the Buddhist chanting book, which is uh, for spreading metta or this kindness, friendliness to all the uh, snakes and animals that we could encounter. You know, whether they have uh, one foot, two foot, uh, four, four foot or many feet, they call it. That's how the Buddha described it. And so um, it's, a, it's a wonderful chant. And it's, it creates a sense of safety and security and stability in the mind. This is one of the great benefits of metta, is that it really means the mind can calm down and, uh, and then be much, much more steady, which is a, a quality that we're trying to develop, a quality that brings peace with it when, we, when the mind is steady. So it's a very important quality, as I mentioned at the beginning of the meditation, for developing the meditation because it deals with the hindrances. And so I, I think this is one of the things that uh, is very helpful for our meditation, regardless of what sort of meditation we're doing, just to do a little at the beginning to deal with the negative states of mind we may be experiencing or sometimes, I would say, may not even be aware of because they're so, we're so used to them that we don't see them. And so this is a very, uh, very useful thing. And one of the ways of looking, or I feel one of the ways that I find most useful to look at metta is to think of it as friendliness, because the word in Pali, metta, is a Pali word, the, the language of the Buddha, the language, well, at that time of the Buddha. And it's very close to the word mitta, 
and I think many people will know this word, mitta, it's friend. So it's a feeling of friendliness, of kindness. Um, we have that, we have the other word, isn't it? Kalyana mitta. And this is a spiritual friend, a spiritual friend. And so it's a, and of course it's a feeling that in, when we develop it in ourselves, we aim to develop it to all beings uh, without, without uh, um, limiting it. Sometimes it's very easy <laughs> to have metta for those we're close to, we like, but not so easy for those that we have difficulties with. And so this metta doesn't distinguish, it's for everyone. Eventually, once we can develop it, stabilize it within ourselves, it's for everyone. And the uh, metaphor, the yeah, metaphor, simile, often used is it's like the sun, and it shines on everyone, regardless of what the quality is. So meta is when we develop it, it's that quality which doesn't uh, distinguish or discriminate against others or particular groups of people or beings, whatever they be. It, in, it includes all of them. So this is a, um, a really extraordinary state of mind. And if you think, as many people do, well, I don't know that I'm capable of that. Well, we may not be at this stage, but meta, this f sense of friendliness, kindness, is something that's in everyone. I don't know anyone that hasn't, hasn't got this sort of sense of friendliness or the, a sense of having a best friend. This is what the meditation's called. So, you know, this sort of sense of friendliness, kindness, is something that we can all relate to. I know when people use the word loving kindness, I think people think, wow, this must be something exotic. <laughs> and they may think, I can't do that. Right? I don't think I can do that. And as I mentioned too, when I was talking about the suicide rates, who needs it most? Men. <laughs> if 75% of men are uh, committing suicide, well, of the 3,000 plus men who committed suicide in 2021, Men obviously need it more uh, because this then, if they're their own best friend, they're less likely to take such drastic steps as killing, killing the body. And of course in Buddhism we say it's only killing the body, the mind will move on. And often when people commit suicide, they have the idea it will all end. But I think, myself personally, they're in for a surprise. <laughs> The body's gone and they're still aware. Wow! They'll probably think, I didn't even get this right. <laughs> so this, this meta is, is not something, is something natural for human beings. So we all have it. It's just something we can grow and develop. It's not just uh, something that some people have. And we do meet. I'm sure all of you have met people, I meet people, who have oodles of kindness and friendliness. It's just very, it's part of their nature. And they've developed it. And of course, we can wonder how to develop meta, this uh, feeling of friendliness and kindness. And the Buddha, of course, encourages us to develop it in three ways. Through our actions... So they can be very friendly, kind actions. Our speech, what we say to our others, what we say to ourselves. <laughs> That's a biggie. <laughs> and also uh, through the mind. 
And this is, when we do meta meditation, obviously it's through the mind. And this, of course, the mind conditions what, how we speak and how we act. And so this is where the Buddha encouraged us to, to develop it. And of course, this is important that we, we do it in our lives, you know, through our actions and speech. But we also need to recondition the mind, to, to develop more of this feeling of friendliness and kindness in the mind for our own benefit and for others' benefits as well. And so we can do this traditionally, and you may have heard, you know, that uh, um, people use phrases, words, and they use phrases like, may you be happy and well, or may I be happy and well, may I be free of suffering, and then you do, may you be happy and well, may you be free of suffering. And of course, this is these are very nice words, and I think if it brings up the feeling of friendliness, of kindness, openness, acceptance, great, then one can use them. But I find if people use, if whatever we use, if we use it over and over again, it becomes like chewing gum. It loses its flavor. <laughs> it loses its effect. You don't get the feeling coming up. Because the words are not the, po the point. It's not the words. It's the feeling of uh, kindness, friendliness, warmth that is important. Sometimes people can use images. You know, uh, one of my teachers, Ayakima, she used to use images like having the sun or the moon in the heart, and this was full of metta that was filling out the body, and then you could radiate it to all beings. The warmth of metta um, to, and the kindness, the friendliness, filling the body and then to radiate it to others. But I like very much to use concepts, and this evening is uh, the concept of best friend. And being our own best friend to begin with is important. And we can have the Buddha used a very famous one, a mother's love for her child. That's a very famous one. We can use that quality. Um, we can even think of everyone else as being our child and having love for them, ourselves, as well, and then everyone else. It's a bit unusual. And of course, Ajahn Brahm, what does he use? Opening the door of your heart. That's what he focuses on. But I also add a dimension to it. I use the, the feeling of metta with the breath. So the breathing it in and breathing it out. And that way I feel that the, uh, the feeling of metta can get stronger and we can develop this quality of the mind coming together, samadhi we call it, which will increase the power of that feeling of metta. Because metta, though many people might think this feeling of friendship and of kindness is sort of warm and cuddly, it is indeed, <laughs> but it can become incredibly powerful and a vehicle for awakening even. And we do this develop metta by focusing on the good qualities of ourselves and others and the situations we find ourselves in. And because we're very good at the opposite, we can see what's wrong, what's, who's to blame, and it's usually somebody else, or we sometimes blame ourselves, that's just as bad, and all this. The fault-finding mind, and we're all pretty good at that, we, we're almost trained to do that by education, can be useful, but also it has its downside that we, um, we will find fault with 
ourselves and others, which will cause a negative feeling to come up, generally speaking. So this is to a very, a very good way to counteract that fault-finding mind. So I'd like to just finish off with a nice quote that I like, uh, which is, and I think this is so true, if we want to be loved, we may not be. But if we want to give love, who can stop us? And it's by Gaur Gopal Das, who was on the internet quite a bit. He's an Indian, like a Hare Krishna uh, monk, actually. It's a very nice saying. If we want to be loved, we may not be. But if we want to give love, who can stop us? And you see the search for love in our societies and all these songs and love songs and all this sort of thing. People are searching for someone out there to give them love. But who can really give them love, give ourselves love? Us. We can. And then we've, we've got the quality we are searching for. Then we can really meet people, be with people, and uh, not have this neediness of searching for this true love. True love is on offer. It's in here <laughs> with us. And then, and then we uh, actually, somebody that has a lot of friendliness and uh, uh, also kindness is very, very attractive. So it's actually something that draws people. When we're needy, we're looking for a partner. I hear, <laughs> I hear quite a bit of this. How do we attract a partner? And certainly being needy is not a very good way to do that. But having this kindness and friendliness, wow, we feel good already, we're not needy, and then we attract to ourselves others and also opportunities in life too. Because we're open, this friendliness and kindness is open, and so therefore we, we, we're much more able to bring good things to ourselves actually from good things to happen. All right, so I think enough of the um, uh, introduction. <laughs> a bit over too much, but nevertheless, and now we can have the uh, guided meditation. So please find a comfy position. Oh, that's good. And we can close the eyes. And experience just the body sitting here. And become aware of any adjustments that we need to make. We may be able to, may even move the shoulders to relax them, let go of some tension, stiffness. And so we can check out how the body is. Is it feeling uh, comfortable? And is it feeling balanced, like the head over the shoulders, and the shoulders over the hips? And the hands resting either on the knees or in our lap, or however we find comfortable and relaxed. Just checking out what we need. during this meditation.
and making any adjustments we need. And we can come into the present moment, letting the past, whatever it's been, be, and letting the future be. And just having in mind that we have nothing to do for now. And there is nowhere we have to go for now. And just to, to remind the mind that to be here now, for this short time. And now we can mentally relax the body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, starting at the top of the head, the back of the head, sides of the head, and the face as well, all around the eyes and the mouth, soothing, relaxing, giving this warm, friendly, kind attention to the head and the face, allowing the head and the face to relax. And we can move the attention to the neck, all around the neck, and give, soothe the neck, relax the neck this warmth, warm attention. Now we can bring to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck, and move our attention along the right shoulder, soothing it, relaxing any stiffness, tightness, tension, with this mental massage. And now we can bring to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and moving our attention down the right arm to include the elbow, wrist, hand and fingers, giving this warm, gentle, relaxing attention to the right arm.
hand and fingers. Now we can bring to mind the left shoulder starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder, soothing, relaxing, any tension, tightness, stiffness with this warm, relaxing attention, giving it a mental massage. Now bringing to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm all around it to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers. The soothing the left arm, giving it this warm, kind attention. And now we can bring to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back, giving it this mental massage with kindness, with soothing, gentle attention.
Now bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, the stomach and the abdomen, giving this warm, healing, kind attention to the front of the body. And now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg or around it to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes, giving the left leg this warm, relaxing mental massage. Now bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention down the right leg all around it to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes with a soothing, relaxing attention. And now we can become aware of the body just sitting here, balanced and comfortable, relaxed.
and we can bring to mind the intention for this meditation to bring up the feeling of friendliness, of kindness, warmth and acceptance. And to do that, we can begin by bringing to mind someone that's very friendly, very kind, very accepting, very open, or thinking of the qualities of a best friend. Maybe they are, we enjoy being with them, we feel their friendship, their warmth. We can really communicate with them. They understand us, we understand them. And they're there for us in difficult times. And we can see if that brings up a feeling in us, a similar quality of warmth, of friendliness, kindness, acceptance. And we can get in contact with whatever feeling has come up, if one has come up. And we can fill our hearts and minds with this feeling, whatever feeling it was, of either kindness, friendliness, warmth, understanding. Allowing these feelings to bathe any negative emotions Maybe agitation from hurrying to be here, tiredness from the day, whatever state of mind we have, bringing this warm, friendly, kind feeling to the mind and heart. Not trying to get rid of anything, just having this kind, friendly feeling for whatever is we're experiencing, be it pleasant or unpleasant.
and we can give this feeling of friendliness or kindness to our bodies, filling our bodies from the top of our heads to the tips of our toes in much the same way as we did the relaxation. Giving this warmth and kindness to our bodies, this healing energy to our bodies. And when we become aware of the breath, we can breathe this feeling of kindness, friendliness, acceptance in, and we can breathe it out when the breath goes out. Just natural flow of the breath coming in and going out. Breathing this warm, friendly, kind feeling in and then breathing it out to the world. So that our minds can stay with the breath and that feeling can grow in intensity. Feeling of friendliness, kindness, acceptance. And if the mind wanders off, we give the mind this feeling of friendship and warmth, of acceptance. And we can come back to the breath, giving this, these feelings to the breath, going in and going out naturally.
Now, as we're coming close to the end of the meditation, you can share this feeling, whatever feeling we developed, whether it be friendliness, openness, warmth, acceptance, whatever feeling, with everyone here in this hall. And with all those listening to, watching this live streaming. Sharing this warmth, this friendliness, kindness, being a best friend. To them. And then expanding this feeling to the area around this hall, wherever we are. Expanding it in ever-widening circles to include all the beings, the humans, the animals, the insects, the seen beings, the unseen beings, all beings sharing the warmth friendliness, kindness, of being their best friend. And we can expand this to cover the whole of Melbourne all the beings being their best friend, whoever they are, whatever they are, without exception. And expanding this feeling, this sharing of this feeling of being a best friend to the whole of Australia, the whole country. and expanding it further and further to include the whole world and all realms of existence.
And now we can come back to ourselves and just review the meditation to see what stood out for us. What, how do we feel now? What feelings came up for us? Were we able to be our own best friend and to be the best friend of others? And what caused these feelings to arise? What worked in the meditation for us? And we can have the aspiration or intention to develop more and more this feeling of being our own best friend and the best friend to others as much as possible. And to share this feeling of being a best friend through our speech what we say, and our actions, our kind and friendly actions. And we can remember or anchor this feeling of being our own best friend in our hearts, in our minds. And now I'll ring the bell three times, and on the third time you're welcome to come out of meditation if you wish. And we can slowly open the eyes and move the body. So I hope that helped bring up that feeling of friendliness, kindness, that feeling of metta or maitri for you. Um, and to, if, if that didn't work for you, to find a way, something that brings that quality up in you. We can be very creative with it. You know, for some people, and Ajahn Brahm uses this uh, image, doesn't he, of, of a kitten. 
uh, that can bring up this feeling of kindness, friendliness, of of uh, wanting to protect, to be there for this kitten, and that feeling we can get in contact with. We can use anything that works for us. Pets are very good. <laughs> I notice people are really... And the good thing with pets, they don't talk back. <laughs> and they're usually pretty forgiving if, we're, if we don't, we're not kind to them. They're always, they seem to bounce back, especially dogs, don't they? They seem to, seem to forget and forgive something human beings find quite difficult. So it's, uh, we can work on using anything that brings up this feeling to ignite the, see, good evening, the feeling of, of warmth, of friendliness, of kindness, acceptance. It can be anything. I know Ajahn Brahm once mentioned that um, in one of his retreats, a woman, she wasn't so keen on babies or pets, but plants. <laughs> she had this caring feeling about plants and uh, nurturing them and that worked for her so we can be creative because really in the end it's what the feeling that counts how we arrive at that feeling is um, not the point it's just that's just a means to the end and when we bring up that feeling it's like um, uh, we start this fire of metta, and it can get really, really intensified, but it's just like we've got the, the paper and the kindling, we call it, you know, the starting wood, the very small leaves and, and uh, thin wood to bring up the warmth of metta so that it grows and grows. And it can indeed turn into really a very, very strong, powerful feeling that we can uh, experience and fill ourselves with and then it's much easier to radiate it to others as well. And the more the mind has come together, the more strength and power in the mind, the easier it is to radiate that feeling of metta or friendliness and kindness. So I know uh, one of my first teaching uh, experiences when, as a monk <laughs> was to go to the meditation a group that was that's not far from Ajahn Brahm's monastery. And I, I remember being a bit nervous and uh, having the evening cup of tea, seeing Ajahn Brahm and he waving goodbye. And then I went to this meditation group and I was doing the introduction, but I wasn't teaching metta. And I had these incredible waves of metta going through the body. And I thought, wow, where's this coming from? <laughs> And of course, I thought of Ajahn Brahm, but there was also a woman at that group who was a real meta-specialist. And so it could well have been her, because she was there that evening, but it could have been Ajahn Brahm. But whoever or whatever, it, it had this force of this strength, incredible, 240 volts, I called it. <laughs> it, it was really big waves of meta. So this really shows you the power of this, this emotion and that it can be used to really go deep in the meditation and to develop wisdom about that experience too. Because in the end, this vipassana that we do is on our own experience of this body and mind. It has to be for it to be real insight that will lead to a breakthrough to the first stage of enlightenment, second stage of enlightenment, third and fourth stage of enlightenment. So it's very, very, this can be very useful and very beneficial for our practice, just to make it, to enable it to go deeper. 
and to build on that stability in the mind, that peace, that feeling of being safe and, and sound. So just those few words of encouragement. And now, if anyone has any questions now or comments, you're welcome to make it, to ask them now. We have a microphone if people would like a microphone. Good, good. There we are. They're running away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, there we are. That's good. Yes. yes uh, thank yeah. you for that talk, Ajahn, yeah. today. Yes. Uh, it was really a wonderful reminder for me, uh, the beautiful talk on metta, because in my practice it's mm. very much like dry vipassana, so I often forget about uh, you know, beauty of metta and kind oh, of adding some beauty in the practice. So, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to say today was wonderful. Thank you. And I'll remember to... Yeah. At least, you know, five minutes beforehand and five minutes afterwards or something to yes. do that. It does uh, bring moisture to our practice, to our minds, and it brings that quality of, of joy and, uh, and um, kindness, friendliness, happiness into the mind, which, is, which, which we need in everyday life, not, not just our meditation practice. Because if we have that quality in mind, then whatever whatever situation we find ourselves in, we'll deal with it in a, the best possible way, and uh, come from our our, our uh, deepest potential to that way. So it's very very helpful. This uh, feeling of meta or kindness, friendliness. Good. There we are. Thank you for that. And now we can take an online question. There's always plenty of questions online. Hardly anybody in the hall usually. I say, oh, good on you. <laughs> good on you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Ajahn. Thank uh, you. I have an online question. Yeah. Yeah, Ajahn. I suffer anxiety and I can see the thoughts and sensation and mm. know this is uh, anxiety, mm. but it gets so bad and escalates to the point of no return. Mm. Even I have been practicing metta. Mm. Yes, I think some of these emotions can be very overwhelming, especially anxiety. Anger can be too, actually, overwhelming. Um, but in those cases, what we can do, one of the most powerful things for anxiety is breathing. Deep breathing can be very helpful. And uh, I recommend uh, this uh, breath, 478 breath, that... Um, Dr. Andrew Vile uh, teaches. And if this person wishes to see an example of that, uh, and a video on that, sorry, it's on YouTube and it's called, it's unbelievable, it's not true either, I don't think, Asleep in 60 Seconds. So they recommend, <laughs> recommend it for when you wake up. And very interestingly, I read this article in the ABC actually that two o'clock in the morning is a classic time for people to wake up and worry and get anxious and go over stuff. If you know that, it makes it a bit easier for when it happens, just to say, aha, this is just <laughs> what the mind is doing, you know, and therefore step back a bit. So the breathing is one thing. And for the metta, uh, for anxiety, what you can do is bring up this feeling of uh, friendliness and warmth and kindness and give it 
breathe it into the area you feel the anxiety. It's usually in the stomach sort of area, this sort of feeling of anxiety. Just breathe it in. And you're not breathing it in to get rid of it, because that's not meta, is it, really? That's, that's just plain aversion, really. <laughs> I don't want this. Get out of here. That doesn't work. But if we have this kindness, this acceptance, warmth, you can try that with the breath. Um, to that area, breathing through it and uh, with this kindness and warmth and being your own best friend, being there for yourself. Also, for anxiety and for any of these negative states of mind, just positive self-talk can be very helpful. No, you're okay, you're all right. I'm here for you. Any of the any of these phrases that, that actually bring up that feeling uh, reinforce that feeling can be very helpful. The neg- we can see that what happens with the negative self-talk is <laughs> pretty obvious. It really churns us up pretty effectively. But this um, positive uh, self-talk can be very, very useful to be very kind. And sometimes when we have this positive self-talk, we can hear auntie or grandfather or grandmother or a friend that uses these words sometimes. Sometimes the words just come and we think, Ah, and it reminds us of somebody who may use those sorts of words uh, to calm ourselves down, to deal with this anxiety. And that way, um, not to fight with it, just to allow it to be. And then it can dissipate and go by itself, that energy of anxiety. It's a very unpleasant feeling and one that uh, a lot of people have experienced, especially, you know, during COVID. And, uh, and I think this is a can be an effective way to deal with it. So the breathing and also the, um, the deep breathing and then the, using the breath with the metta to that area where we feel the anxiety just to relax it. You can try that and see how that, that helps. And of course, you know, if anxiety does become a real big problem, then it's good to see a counsellor or a psychologist and work on it with them too. But these are some are useful, I think, ways of dealing with it. I find them useful. And really, if, if you have that feeling of being your own best friend, that can really be very helpful because we feel safe. We feel um, uh, yeah, able to deal with, with difficult situations like anxiety. So this is um, just some suggestions anyway for this person dealing with anxiety. It's a, it's a crippling emotion, it certainly is. And we can develop um, a lot of understanding of the mind from uh, our experience of these sorts of states, painful states of mind. So are there any other questions, comments or complaints? I, I once had uh, somebody who complained about a meta meditation and I said to them, well, it didn't work for you. <laughs> they said they, saw, they said they were annoyed and irritated. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. But what they were annoyed and irritated with was that they used to unguided meditation, silent meditation, so any commentary would have been annoying and irritating. But, but, so it's interesting, I thought it was classic. Righto. Any other questions from the floor? No. And any online? Uh, yes, Ajahn, oh, I have yes. another question. 
Uh, why in meditative state should mm. I concentrate on my breathing, look into the distance with my eyes closed, or try to dissolve any thoughts? Ah, to, to just to mention that again, run through that again. Yeah. Why in a meditated state yeah. Uh, yeah. should I concentrate on my breathing, look into the distance with my eyes closed? Mm-hmm. Or try to dissolve any thoughts? I would actually suggest not doing any of that, actually. As you probably know, Ajahn Brahm would say, stop doing things, stop trying to meditate, just allow it to happen. And this is the big trouble with us as human beings. We want to control everything, manage everything, and uh, do whatever, you know, uh, 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 do things, instead of allowing the, the mind to settle down, to become peaceful. And Ajahn Brahm always uses that example, you know, of picking up the cup and trying to make it still. And, of course, you know, and he shows people the cup. Is the water still yet? Is it, is it uh, settled? No, no. He said, and how can we make it still and peaceful and settled? Just put it down. <laughs> and this is the same. We're such inveterate doers. We want to do everything that we forget that actually this body and mind is a process. It's a natural process. And if we allow it to settle down, if we don't interrupt, if we don't stir it up, it will settle. And we can do, we can support it in many ways by the attitude we bring to meditation. And particularly the attitude not of getting and gaining, not of demanding certain experiences, but creating the causes and conditions for the mind to settle, to become peaceful, to become steady. And that one of those uh, possibilities is using um, metta or maitri for that process because it will it'll bring a warmth to the experience. It will bring a calmness and a steadiness to the mind. So we don't need to do all those things. But if we create the causes and conditions, then the mind will settle by itself, like the cup, you didn't see the water settling, but I'm sure it has settled <laughs> by now. So it's our job really is to let things be, to let them go. That's not easy. <laughs> That's not how we live. And we always bring to our meditation, our practice of the Dhamma and meditation in particular, this doing mind, this controlling mind, managing mind, and uh, it really disturbs that process, particularly of meditation and the mind. We don't manage, we don't own it, we don't control it. People who think they do, I mean, when we have these mind states that we just climb the walls over, you know, really unpleasant mind states, if we were in control of this mind, we could say stop. No, enough, enough. The more you say stop in enough, it gets worse <laughs> and it gets more intense. So it should, it should actually... Um, uh, bring up the understanding, yeah, I'm not in control of this mind, but I can work with it. You know, we can create causes and conditions for things to settle and certainly not fighting or controlling, um, uh, not uh, um, concentrating these things. Certainly not a good idea for that. So it's, it's a bit like these people who want to fight for peace, is that going to work? <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, so 
this is what I would suggest to this person, you know. You, and often um, the problem with us is that we, we think what we've got to, we should do next. It's always doing, but it's always next. And, of course, just to be here now is enough. The trouble with that is like those students sitting in that room. We're not used to it. <laughs> we're a bit uneasy with it. We're not... Uh, um, uh, our own best friends. We're not on good terms with ourselves. So this is something we can learn, just to let be, let go of managing and controlling things, incline the mind towards um, these things by uh, influencing it, by bringing up something that will bring up meta or other states, other positive states of mind. There's so much on offer, really. You know, contentment, thankfulness, gratitude, is, they're very powerful ones. And compassion, caring, everybody cares for something or someone. Um, and having joy for other people's successes. It's, there's lots of positive emotions we can incline towards and use it with the meditation or before the meditation just to make the mind... Uh, enable the mind to let go, just let be, um, accept whatever we're experiencing with a warm, kind, um, friendly feeling. Yeah. So that's what I would suggest for, for, for this one. <laughs> so not, not to do. It's very hard for us not to do, but the, the less we interfere, the more the mind can settle down by itself and get peaceful, to become peaceful. So I think uh, that's now nine o'clock. It's one minute past nine, so we can finish off uh, this evening. And for those who wish to, you can we can pay respects to the Buddha Dhamma and the Sangha to finish off. So thank you for coming this evening. And uh, I think in terms of program, Chinta, Sunday there will be a talk. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. We're trying to work out who's going to do it <laughs> at the moment. So it'll be the Sunday talk. Yeah, there's been a change, unavoidable change. Not sure at the moment. Probably myself, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will be. So for those who'd like to, we can just pay respects to Buddha, Dhamma and the Sangha to finish off.